Hey, this is Ross Payton with the Role Playing Public Radio. This is Game Designers Workshop with uh, a special guest, Jeff Barber. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Blue Planet. Um, probably by the time you're listening, the well, it should by the time you're listening, you should be uh, able to view the Kickstarter for Blue Planet uh, Recontact, a new edition of the um, visionary uh, sci-fi uh, transhuman RPG. Uh, Blue Planet. Um, and uh, so we've, of course, have done several games of it on our podcast. Uh, and uh, Jeff's been on the podcast before. So I uh, want to talk to him about uh, what, what's been going on. Of course, obviously, Jeff and I have worked together uh, on Upwind. Uh, I did Three Beasts, the campaign for it. So I'm very interested to see what's what's next uh, in Jeff's uh, uh process what what happened how this new edition came about so um jeff hi uh hey thanks for having me on yeah no it's always good to have you on um first off i guess we should uh provide a little con for the for the listeners who aren't aware um what is blue planet um it is a first and foremost probably a science fiction role-playing game um with a, a sort of a, a hard science fiction bent. Mm-hmm. it takes place on Earth's first colony planet, a water world called Poseidon, uh, and it deals with uh, a lot of uh, ecological themes, political themes, colonial themes, um, and um, really kind of emphasizes uh, frontier adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, when, and it came out at first my, in the 90s? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was first released in, first edition was 1997, mm-hmm. uh, and still one of my favorite um internet comments I saw about it is uh, it was described a reviewer gave it an elevator pitch and I, and I always hesitate to get it right, but Mm -hmm. um, space marshal cowboy fights eco crimes with his sidekick cybernetic dolphin in alien Hawaii. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, as much as I, at first I was sort of offended by that. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Right. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not inaccurate. Mm -hmm. But Uh, and what, and the game, the game has been sort of well known for for the depth of its setting. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of emphasis put on on the setting um, initially, and that seems to be where a lot of its sort of um, durability has come from. Yeah, so yeah. The first edition was back in '97. Mm-hmm. Um, second edition was done in association with uh, Fantasy Flight Games in I think 2001 or two, maybe mm-hmm. maybe 2002. Um, and then it's been well, twenty years since then, almost. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's certainly yeah. It, it has a really great reputation as yeah, a very well researched, very in depth setting, a very original setting too, by the way. Um, and it kind of paved the way, certainly, I think, for Eclipse Phase and a lot of the hard sci fi RPGs that are out there uh, in terms of not just addressing um, technological. Uh, developments but also cultural and social problems as well like um i think that's sort of the difference between it and like you know say GURPS sci-fi settings uh, uh is the fact that it, it really much addresses like problems like colonialism uh environmentalism um you know uh, transhumanism and uh a lot of sci-fi rpgs especially before that were very much on the is it, it's the future and there's aliens that you have to kill or it's cyberpunk and everything fucking sucks. And like, that's it. Like it's very, they're very simple settings in a lot of ways, but like, this is, 
there's a lot of shades of gray. Uh, and uh, I, I always like that about the setting. Um, well, I've been pretty public in, in, in how much I love Eclipse Phase. And mm -hmm. it was probably one of the high watermarks in my game design career when I realized that they had credited uh, Blue Planet as one of their inspirations. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's, I don't know if I would call it a lineage, but there's certainly a <laughs> path that can be traced through mm -hmm. through that part of that, that genre of, of games. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so now we're fast forwarding to now and obviously the themes of blue plan are obviously still quite relevant uh you know colonialism environmentalism uh transhumanism uh uh and so on and the impact of technology and um what 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 led you to want to do a new edition uh well actually kind of a, kind of a bunch of things um probably initially what, what why it's been kind of in the back of my head for some time is not so much a desire for a new edition, but a, a desire to sort of consolidate the the material that was available, mm -hmm. the, the best of it, into a, a, an available format. Because it's been out of print for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it would be great to somehow have a, an electronically accessible. you got to remember, back in when it first came out, the whole idea of easily transferred digital files and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing was was not really an option. Um, and so it, I wanted to kind of put it into a, a new format that would be basically give it a, a an, maybe another life to people who hadn't been able to get a hold of the books or, or mm -hmm. might be interested in, in playing the game. Yeah. Um, so that had always been sitting in my head, a, a kind of a general reorg and a, an electronic kind of consolidation of things that would make a, a different package that was easy to use, easier mm -hmm. to use, find and use. Um, but then, um, started with the Upwind project working on Kickstarter for the first time and realizing that there were, you know, certainly economic power there to, to do something. Um, and then working with Stuart Wick um, from Nocturnal, he, mm -hmm. he had implied that he was interested in, after the Upwind project, doing something with a new edition of Blue Planet. So that really is what kind of got me started thinking at the time um, that it might be you know, a viable thing to, to do a new edition, mm -hmm. especially because it had been so long. Mm -hmm. I just felt like there was a viability there that I hadn't really considered before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so in terms of uh, uh, creating this new edition, um, well, how long did it take you? Like, like you, so you, you had the, the, the gem of this idea uh, when you were working on Upwind, which of course uh, <laughs> was also a sort of long process. Right. Uh <laughs> But, um, so, so how long did it get you from then to where you are now, uh, with the Kickstarter? Well, by the time you're, you're listening to this, uh, having launched, uh, well, I mean, it's, we're still in the process, right? It's mm -hmm. not like we're done and, yeah, yeah. and it's ready to go. Um, I guess it must've been a couple of Gen Cons ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a good friend who I met through his, his appreciation of, of blue planet. Actually, he'd contacted me years ago mm -hmm. and we kind of kept in touch, but we met for the first time, maybe you know, four Gen Cons ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it, it's sort of been his enthusiasm that kind of got me to really consider doing a second edition. So I, all of the work that's come since and, and all the work that still has to happen, I'm blaming him for putting oh. it directly on his shoulders. Um, his name is, uh, uh, rich and rich Howard. And he actually kickstarted another, um, 
underwater uh, role-playing game a, a couple of, like a year ago, I guess, um, Descent into Midnight. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with it, but they should be releasing soon. Okay. Um, which is a really neat um, game that focuses on aquatic environments and doesn't have any humans involved. And there's a lot of world building in, it's like a game designed around the idea that the players build their own specific setting as mm. part of play uh, and their own specific species for characters as part of play. Oh, nice. Um, and it's got some very neat environmental themes running through it as well. Um, but his constant enthusiasm, mm-hmm. um, which he's pretty famous for, at least in industry, industry circles I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. he uh, really kind of got me got me serious about considering the, the new edition. Nice. Um, um, and then ultimately, we're looking at, I mean, like you said, we're looking at a, a world right now that is burning down around us, uh, being polluted yeah. at unprecedented yeah. rates. Um, you know, there's ridiculous battles over the idea of climate change. Um, there are political upheavals um, that are occurring. And, and it's funny, at the time we wrote Blue Planet, we were creating a, you know, a, a speculative future where all that stuff had happened to the degree where we needed to get off the planet mm-hmm. or at least needed to seek alternatives to the planet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of the only criticisms the game got in, in the long run was for those certain environmental themes. A lot of people didn't want that chocolate in their peanut butter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was important to me and it was what I knew um, in terms of my training and, and education. And, and so they were a big part of the game. Um, but now it just feels like in some ways, a lot of it has come true mm-hmm. and it feels very, um, very relevant. And, and in a way that maybe Upwind didn't seem relevant, the themes of Blue Planet mm-hmm. seem directly relevant to this time. And, and it feels like an additional motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, certainly uh, the environmental themes are a lot more obvious. It's hard. To, it, it's pretty much uh, you have to willfully ignore it. If you if you you can't you can't casually ignore it anymore. Um, certainly, uh, but uh, you mentioned that you know it's still a work in progress. Uh, so what 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 uh, you know as of the 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 day the Kickstarter. Kickstarter launches, how, how much do you, what, what do you, what is done and what do you, what is left to do? Do you think? Uh, well, probably 90% of the text mm-hmm. is done. There's still quite a bit of editing that needs to happen, both of text that is going to, that will survive from the original edition. And a mm-hmm. lot of that text, primarily the setting text is going to survive in, in um, mm-hmm. not in total, but in, in a great percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, New text consists primarily of new mechanics, new character generation, and then additional sections that are either replacing older sections or that are being added in just because uh, we know more about technology or there have just been thematic changes that have occurred um, Mm -hmm. that we want to make sure get included. Um, I realized that there wasn't a lot of uh, content that addressed social structures. Mm -hmm in the original blue planet and those have become so much more relevant to daily life. I want to make sure that, well, that's not so much more relevant. They have become so much more a lever on, on how we engage with daily life um, politics and, and these environmental themes that I want to make sure we leaned into some of those. So Mm -hmm. that's some of the new writing. Um, Of course, there's some new locations, places that have been developed through play over time or that um, I just thought would be neat to include that we, we want to put in. Okay. Um, but I would say 90% of the writing 
Yeah. 90% of the text exists. There's a lot of editing that needs to be done. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. And obviously the layout and art that that's yeah, for the, the Kickstarter. <laughs> the art, the art is in, in production. Um, the layout, uh, for those that might not know r- right now, you can jump on drive through RPG and there is a, um, 80 pay 80 plus page quick start guide for the new rules. It comes with a scenario, uh, comes with pre-generated characters. Um, and you can, um, play the game fully formed, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a pay what you will. So basically it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that layout will be, is the, is the basis for the layout that we're, we're going to use in the book. So the, essentially the layout is ready to go once the text is ready to go and, and the art is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, you mentioned that the, uh, uh, that I guess that's one advantage of now the different, you mentioned earlier how the, the, the marketplace has changed, you know, PDFs are sort of a, a, a different, uh, uh, availability now, or they have a different role in the market than they did back in 2001, uh, when you're, when you were last working on it. So, um, and now you have the quick start available. So has that, uh, uh, when did you release the Kickstarter? Have you had any feedback on it yet? Yeah, we released it um, two Gen Cons ago, mm-hmm. uh, pre-COVID. Uh, the goal was to launch our Kickstarter in uh, winter of, like January of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that didn't happen because you know, yeah, all the things that were that were slowing down the world. Um, and so it's been out for quite a while. In fact, this summer it'll have been out for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been pretty well received. It seems, uh, those people that have commented on it have liked what they've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been downloaded several thousand times. Um, so I take that as a good sign. Good, good. Um, so in terms of the, the, the setting itself, um, you, you mentioned some changes that you made to it. Have you made any fundamental changes, like any big shifts? No. Um, and that's something I guess we're emphasizing in the text of the Kickstarter page that I'm working on, Mm -hmm. but it's it's probably worth emphasizing here. The original setting was very specific. And so it's hard to change it without changing the nature of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was also sort of timed such that there was a lot of tension building around the sociopolitical events that were occurring. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of games will advance their timeline Mm -hmm. when, when they do a new edition sure and we're not doing that because that tension i think is really good for um creating stories Mm -hmm. to put the characters into um and also because there is um in the backstory that has always been part of blue planet for anything that is part of potential future books um there are events that are leading to a a fundamental change in the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't quite get there, uh, though we hinted at it in some of the other material. We didn't quite get there in the Fantasy Flight production run. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I, I am worried about not getting there. I'm enough worried about not getting there with this run that one of the stretch goals is going to be sort of a condensed, um, not sure what we're calling it yet at this point, booklet, uh, addendum, something that mm-hmm. will be um, sort of a, here are the pending events so that game masters can have those um, and to include in their games should they choose to, uh, that will sort of um, present sort of the next phase in Mm -hmm. the evolution of the setting. So shifting too much that fundamental core setting would interfere with that sort of long Mm -hmm. uh, planned process. 
So that's interesting. Um, that approach of like uh, having keeping the timeline the same, but you'd like having also this like here's what's going to happen canonically uh, in the game. Um, so, but the idea is to prevent sort of a. It sounds like it's not going to be like a full like a lot of times RPGs will use that uh, major events as like here's how your players go through this. I mean, that's of course. That's had mixed results, you know. World of Darkness right, was right. like, oh, watch right. the NPCs do all the cool things. Uh, well, it won't change. Yeah. That's a good point. It, it's interesting in that it doesn't. A lot of people have already speculated as to what's going on, mm-hmm. um, pretty accurately, and it. And so, really, the the events aren't future events; they're things that have already happened mm. in our development of the story, and so you play in the consequences of those now. Oh, okay. Um, and and so it'll just be explained. Mm-hmm. And people can continue playing exactly like they're playing, mm-hmm. um, or they can sort of adjust. play on. In this. Yeah. It, well, not adjust because the, that's not going to change where their campaigns are, where their characters are. It's just like some world events that will open up other opportunities. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, do you plan to like? Uh, you, you mentioned stretch goals. Are there going to be like stretch goals for adventures or like specific modules that will uh, address these issues or, or um, events? Not probably not stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may just be that we just future products. That's okay. sort of the idea. There's a there's a I've been playtesting. In fact, you played tested through the first chapter of ah. um, a project a project that I'm in my mind I call Storm Surge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that chapter you played through yeah. um, is is sort of the lead up to um, the background becoming public in the in the setting mm-hmm. and and therefore kind of shifting how they the the game can possibly go yeah that will be our uh blue planet one shot that will be on our ppr actual play or should be uh, maybe on oh, our ppr actual play yeah. actually not not that one that, oh. that's more recent we're talking about when we were playing i don't know probably a year or two ago you mm-hmm. were in a, a short-term campaign oh oh right 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 oh with yep. the uh, we were all playing different uh people at the village right yeah yeah, we had three different uh, mm-hmm. groups of player characters, and you all had different. Each had a, oh, a different okay, yes, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, that was not re- well. I don't know if it, I can't. I don't even remember if that was recorded or not. But um, uh, no, it was yeah. not recorded. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was playtesting for that future uh, module. I yeah. did like the the differing perspectives uh, on that. So yeah, playing multiple characters, examining. The yeah, same I've always. I, I have not been. That's as, as successful as I've been. I've always had a team of writing a planet game that had these three groups of player characters being played by the same table players, and the effects of the, on the story of each of the groups being reflected in how each of the other groups ends up playing it, um, mm-hmm. or the, the things that they experience. Uh, and that was that was part of that effort. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a tough go. It's a challenging way to write a, uh, an adventure. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, because you had yeah, just <laughs> it's writing like three adventures in 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 a way. Um, but they all have to seamlessly merge. Change, yeah, yeah, the change in real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's interesting. Um. So you 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 we talked about the setting, but uh, the mechanics. Um. How how have the mechanics uh changed for the new edition? Yeah, that's that's probably the the thing that if there's a selling point of the new edition, um, that and the new all new full color art are probably the two things that are most significant mm-hmm. uh, to people who are already familiar with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be the things that are most notable. Um, but the new mechanics um, 
are intentionally a, a, a modernized evolution of the editions that you've played mm -hmm. uh, in the past. Um, and they, the goals have been to streamline them, mm -hmm. but to make them a little more robust in terms of their ability to support, and I hesitate to say this because it's role-playing games, but to support realism. Mm -hmm. Not that they're simulationist. Uh, first edition Blue Planet, we tried to be simulationist, but it was the 90s, right? That yeah. was sort of the, the time that that was in vogue. <laughs> it was the fashion uh, at the time, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's important, you know, when people talk about um, supporting the themes and setting in the mechanics mm -hmm. of games. Uh, and in, in terms of Blue Planet, because the setting um, has very intentionally been a, a realistic one and a science-based one and one that can arguably call be called arguably be called hard science fiction. Mm -hmm. It you can't mate that in my opinion, you can't mate that with an extremely narrative style mechanic. It has to feel as though, um, you know, the rules of physics apply Sure, uh, for lack of a better descriptor, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's a world where the rules of physics are important. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet, it's 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 a rare person anymore, especially in the younger generations of gamers, um, those who haven't already tried Blue Planet, um, that really wants to fiddle with a really crunchy system, right? Mm -hmm. So um, one of the goals was to try and support that realism while still having some of the modern sensibilities around uh, game design. Mm -hmm. And another aspect is to one of, another priority uh, is to sort of make the the mechanics more character focused than maybe mm -hmm. they were in the past before they were like action focused and, and, and um, sort of technology focused and, and procedurally focused as opposed to making characters that are robust and interesting mm -hmm. and, and easy to understand and, and develop. Mm -hmm. So those have sort of been the three threads, the streamlining, supporting the, the realism um, while still being robust and then focusing Mm -hmm. how, how long did that process take of like uh, developing the new edition uh, in terms of the mechanics? Um, well, there was a lot of grokking in the early days. I'd probably say six months of really focused um, discussions with my mm -hmm. uh, original writing partner. Mm -hmm. um, we did have the advantage of having some things we still really liked from the second edition mechanics mm -hmm. that sort of meant we had, um, a, a good jumping off point. Mm -hmm. um, it was translating those into modern sensibilities that, that was the focus of those conversations. But I'd say six months until I really started writing in earnest. Mm -hmm. um, and then probably a couple of months of writing uh, and then editing and playtesting, uh, playtesting, but incurring kind of all simultaneously um, with that, with those discussions. But the actual writing of the new rules didn't take that. I didn't write the character creation rules mm -hmm. for a long time because you know, that that's something that you know you need to have your mechanic your other mechanics in yeah right in yeah form before you yeah that's a really good um, point um, yeah character creation is often like the hardest thing to create like it's easy it's a lot easier to be like here's how you do a thing do this add this or subtract this you're done but like right how do you can't you, do that yeah but you can't make a character until you know the thing you're going to do. Yeah, and exactly. So yeah. I, I, I would advise anybody that's working on their own system. Don't do character generation until you're well satisfied with your mm -hmm. other mechanics. Otherwise you're going to be rewriting it. 
Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think, you know, uh, that really resonates with me because that's been, I've wanted to do a new edition of base Raiders, but my, my, my problem, um, is the biggest weakness of base Raiders is the, is character creation, specifically the superpower creation system. And I just, I can't, I, every, every, uh, superpowers are really hard to do in RPGs. And, um, I, I've looked at other implementations that were, you know, creative commons licensed or OGL'd. And nothing's really satisfied me, and I've just gone back and forth on this. And God, yeah, it's just maddening. I, I, I would, I, it would be so easy to write a new edition if I could just have a character creation system in it. And uh, that's, uh, uh, I'm telling you, yeah, you can adapt Q. You can have all the superpowers you want. Yeah, and they're perfectly balanced. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I haven't ruled that out. I've also actually looked at red markets too. I figured, I thought of a way of doing. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, superpowers in red markets, but I have to sit down and write that out, and that's. Uh, so yeah, uh, oh man, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's the real hardest part. Um, but I had discovered uh, a, mm-hmm. another um, sort of related. Uh, piece of advice I would offer anyone working on a new system. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of lucked into it. It wasn't really intentional, but then I, when I realized how efficacious it was, I really leaned into it. Um, when I was developing the new mechanics, mm-hmm. um, I started with the character sheet. Now I know that's weird because mm-hmm. I said, don't do character generation rules, but that means don't write them because yeah. to do playtesting, you have to mm-hmm. at least be trying out the character creation. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, because we were trying to be character focused, I thought, okay, I'm going to start with the character sheet. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I want the character to have on it? And what do I want it to explain? And what do mm-hmm. I want it to, you know, how do I want to interface with the player? Mm-hmm. And that was really a neat tool for letting me um, try different um, playtest parts of the mechanics, but also make sure I had all the pieces of the mechanics that I needed mm-hmm. um, for, for people to be their characters. Yeah, uh, And so I went through many iterations of the character sheet, even just sketching them out on a piece of paper. And it was a great sort of focus item for managing the playtesting of the mechanics mm-hmm. and the development of the mechanics, not just the playtesting, sorry, the, the initial development and then the playtesting. Mm-hmm. And, and then by the time that was all done, it made it very easy to um, do the character creation writing because I could just go through the character sheet and say, you know, step one, step two, step three, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I actually did something similar for that for Ruin, uh, but then COVID happened, and uh, with Ruin, I came up with a car- with a conflict resolution system that was based on cards, like a, a card, like a, 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 a trade. Well, kind of like a trading card mechanic, but so it's like, well, I can't. I don't want to do playtesting. I can't really do playtesting online with this because I actually printed out cards, put them in sleeves. But yeah, like. That's actually no. That's really good advice too. Do the character sheet first to help vi- help you visualize it, help you to figure out what's the important thing about the character. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that it really smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really I, good I, stuff. I found it very helpful. Yeah, um, but you did a lot of other work too um, for this, uh, including a bit of research um, for uh, uh, coming up with this new edition. Uh, well, I mean, not just mechanic, but for the setting as well. So. Uh, yeah, well, we've been we've been doing some sensitivity stuff for sure. Mm. Um, I mean, it was the '90s when yeah. it was written. I was a lot younger, and and hopefully I'm wiser now. Mm-hmm. But there are things that that I look back on. It. I guess there's maybe it's because I'm not wise enough. But there's mm-hmm. I wouldn't say there's anything that's absolutely cringeworthy. 
mm-hmm. but there's certainly things that I, I think could be better expressed, sure, um, and more more fairly described or or just dropped mm-hmm. that don't necessarily need to be part of of it. And uh, and well, I know part of that um, that work uh, you and and Caleb were kind enough to spend a an hour with me, uh, uh, probably a month or two ago now, mm-hmm. um, discussing sort of the the idea of bioessentialism and and game design mm-hmm. in terms of character uh, stats and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of that kind of work. I don't know if you call that research. Um, I definitely call that research. Um, definitely sensitivity research is definitely, I think, something uh, more RPG designers should do, especially games that interface with real world issues uh, so prominently. So. Um, no, that's very good. Um, did you read anything on that or were you just doing like online research, talking to people and that kind of thing? Um, reading, reading some, a lot of, a lot of, uh, the stuff I read was really about, it was game centric. So mm-hmm. it was the, the discussions and essays that people have been writing about bioessentialism mm-hmm. in, in gaming and racism in gaming and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have reached out, we're still in the process of getting sensitivity consultants lined up, um, I've reached out to a few, but they're super busy mm-hmm. and you know, the, their areas of expertise aren't necessarily uh, applicable. It's been an interesting process because they seem to um, have, well, like any, um, any uh, field, there are interconnections between the, the people in it. So mm-hmm. we're going from one to another as they recommend other people. Well, help out. Oh, they might be, you know, my specialty is this doesn't really apply, but I know this person who might be able to help with, with that. So mm-hmm. it's been a slower process than sure. We I mean, yeah, it's, it's such a new field. Um, I mean, yeah, like even 10 years ago, this really wasn't even thought of in RPG circles. Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, our biggest yeah. area of concern in that regard. Um, and, and if anybody listening has anyone to, um, recommend, mm-hmm. The game, it's it's maybe not exactly accurate to say that it deals with colonial issues of colonialism, mm-hmm. but I but I think at least in in spirit it certainly does mm-hmm. um, because of the way that there were some original colonists in the backstory and they were abandoned for sixty five years, and then the they they were recontacted, hence the subtitle of the new edition mm-hmm. um, when when the um, when earth was able to um, come back to the, to the colony world, to, to Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are these very strong and very direct intentional themes of essentially native peoples being potentially exploited by um, a, a advanced technological powers uh, coming back and, and claiming land and resources. Um, and I think those themes are, certainly relevant but they are also um ones that are sensitive and need to be dealt with in in a respectful way mm-hmm. and I, I don't think we were disrespectful with them but i want to make sure that we're not missing things that are obvious and should be addressed mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I, i'd like to focus most of that sensitivity yeah. uh, consulting effort good um yeah. So yeah, if you're listening out there, uh, and you, th- you think you would be, uh, know somebody or are somebody able to help with that? Um, uh, well, obviously Jeff's contact info, uh, will be in our show notes <laughs> on Twitter, uh, and obviously on the Kickstarter page. Um, so, but that wasn't the only research you did as well. Um, you also did some research on the development of technology. 
Yeah. So uh, probably the weakest place where you, if you read any of the early editions mm-hmm. now, um, the things that would probably be most glaringly pludgy, um, besides the first edition mechanics, um, uh, would be technology. Mm-hmm. I think we did a pretty good job in 1997 of predicting where some technologies would go and incorporate them into playable, useful, fun stuff in a game setting. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, we didn't set out to do a, a treatise on future tech, but um, it was where a lot of my interest li- lay in, in science fiction gaming. And mm-hmm. so we had a lot of it. Um, and the new edition will have a lot of it. But I mean, we totally missed the consolidation of sort of interfacing with technology to people's phones. Oh yeah. Um, and so we have like all these separate devices. So anybody who's geared up and ready to go out into the, into the outback, they have, you know, they have a navigation device and they have a communication device mm-hmm. and they have a, right. As opposed to like a singular device that does that all of it. has access to the, the cloud storage and to, to, um, uh, apps essentially that do all the different things that they needed to do. Um, so, you can imagine that fundamental miss trickles out into how we presented tech at the time. So we need to kind of tighten all that sort of thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's just a lot of things that hadn't really been on the horizon at the time, at least the, the commercial horizon, sci-fi horizon. Sure. There were ideas like, like uh, star Trek replicators, but mm-hmm. 3d printers hadn't really happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and now those are a ubiquitous technology that's only getting more and more useful yeah and we had precursors to that but they they didn't involve the kinds of technology that exists now so we're that kind of thing we need to incorporate mm-hmm. yeah uh, and then of course it's a game so there's a lot of really high-end technologies from weapons to to um, aircraft and the kinds of things that mm-hmm. that um have had a lot of development in that time. Yeah. You mentioned um, a particular document that was very helpful, helpful in this regard, the table of future tech. Yeah. I wanted to share that um, because it's, I think any gamer that plays science fiction games would find a treasure trove in it. Um, I was just doing some Googling on on predictions of, of kind of lines of technology. And Mm -hmm. I stumbled across this thing and appears to be, uh, have its origins in some sort of military contract where the army mm-hmm. had some futurists speculating on actual fields of technology. And they came up with this table of future tech and it kind of mirrors the periodic table of elements in both structure and sort of this intent that there are groups of technology that are related mm-hmm. and that not only related by the, the intent and and function, but also by where they are kind of on these three different horizons of, of uh, practicality or, or how close we are and being realized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a first horizon, which is stuff that is experimental and, and working, but not in a workable way. And then there's a second horizon of things that are likely to happen, but it's going to take some time. Then there's this really kind of out there speculative horizon that includes a bunch of things called wild cards that, they think are important tech, but um, may, uh, but have no real basis in reality yet. But that mm-hmm. if they, if we do find a, a way to get to them, would be extremely um, game changer. Would be major game changers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the neat thing about this table is it's full of links. Each mm-hmm. of the little blocks, uh, in, each of the elements, I guess. Mm-hmm. You click on it, and it'll take you to scientific articles about that particular research or technology, 
um, or the videos that talk about it or demonstrate some of it. Yeah. So it's just like this, uh, not quite real world, but certainly real science mm-hmm. um, techie manual for, for role-playing games that it's been really valuable in terms of looking at what we need to update for blue planet tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, obviously we'll have a link to that in the show notes and that that's useful for any number of games. I mean, I can imagine Yeah, Google table of yeah. future tech. Take you right there. Yeah. Um, I can imagine I'll, I could probably do a whole Delta green campaign with the horrific applications of a lot of that tech. So, uh, but yeah, as an example, um, but yeah. Uh, so, um, so it sounds like the game itself is is very solid, and obviously, um, because you're planning to do it on Kickstarter, um, I think that that should assuage people's fears. You know, some obviously there's always the vaporware problem of uh, some games on Kickstarter, but obviously that that's not really a situation here. Um, but yeah, I gotta be honest, I, yeah. uh, it's probably not in my best interest to say this, uh-huh. but if you have the previous editions of Blue Planet, any mm-hmm. either of them, um. And if you have the uh, free primer, mm-hmm. you probably don't need the new edition, right? <laughs> yeah, because it's got. Well, that's not true. There's no there's no character creation mechanics. Yeah, see, there the, you go. The yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but beyond that, I mean, mm-hmm. people have reverse engineered the characters from what's from the sample characters that are there anyway, oh, okay. and have been playing playing new editions. Oh, um, nice. Anyhow. Um, but well, obviously because also the, the updated setting information and the, and obviously the art, um, and just having a lovely book, uh, to go with it, uh, is always nice. It's not about need, but it's about want, uh, let's be honest. (laughs) I mean, role-playing games are, are a luxury and, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, planning a Kickstarter, um, is certainly different in, in now that, uh, uh, I mean, Kickstarter has always been an evolving platform for the over 10 years now of its, uh, uh, existence. Um, what, what have you learned or changed, uh, especially, uh, given your experiences with upwind, um, which was pretty rough in a lot of ways for reasons outside of your control. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I learned the same thing that everybody that does a Kickstarter learns mm-hmm. and, and tells everybody else. And then nobody listens to until they do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, don't offer too much. Yeah. Don't, don't make your stretch goals more work, yeah. right? Or at least more work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you are um, already well into that or have clearly set aside the time um, because it can surprise you and those stretch goals can make. And, you know, I guess Upwind was a, um, wasn't a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an, a wonderful experience, actually. But we promised a lot in the stretch goals. Um, but we had already promised a lot in the original campaign. It was not just the core book. It was the core book and a campaign book, card deck. Um, and, and there had been greater ambitions mm-hmm. um, for the project. Uh, and it's, it's sad that we weren't able to realize them, but it's even sadder that we lost Stuart yeah. um, during the process and had to kind of shelve those ambitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a ton of work on top of promising all those things in the, in the stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, things like three beasts ended up taking a, a long time. Yep. Incursion a long time. Yep. And those were products beyond on um, beyond the core books. So they weren't enhancements to the core books. They weren't um, little, you know, right. Little like 
thousand or two thousand word writing editions or extra mm-hmm. art or or things that could be dispersed amongst other creators. They were projects that were only going to happen if you know a, a singular person sat down and, and wrote them in addition to this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, make sure what you're offering is what you're willing to do, willing and able to do, mm-hmm. um, because you will be working on it much beyond much longer than you will you will suspect. I mean that's the truth of any Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but you're gonna be working on it much longer if you promise more than you have capacity for yeah. in the in the immediate production cycle. Sure. Um so in terms of this Kickstarter, like uh, uh I, it sounds like you you've streamlined it considerably. So it's it's the core book um there's two books the goal is to is two books the two game books. There's, there's too many i mean yeah like having the example of of uh red markets for mm-hmm. book size and density oh yeah um yeah if we did it in a single book and tried to retain as much as i would like and include mm-hmm. as much as i would like in the new edition it would probably push 650 pages mm-hmm. so we're looking at two 300 page books um at least uh, for the initial goal okay um, and and so, yeah, they, they, would, they would produce a player's guide and a moderator's guide. Okay. Well, that yeah, and that, that's a pretty standard way of uh, uh, separating books, um, especially because, yeah, obviously the players don't need all the moderator info. Um, and um, you mentioned, you know, a couple of stretch goals. Are there any others that you're really excited about that you hope you get to? A lot of them are um, little additional content for the setting mm-hmm. places that we have played in games that I want to uh, include in an actual write-up. For example, the, the game that the actual play that we did a couple weeks ago, uh, that down home station where you guys did your investigation, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't exist in the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to have that exist in the setting. Oh, okay. So like a 2000 word um, section for that would be the kind of thing that would be um, with a little set of, of stretch goals. So one of the stretch goals is these three additional setting uh, setting elements, and that's that's one of them. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, yeah, the book is the, the setting is broken up into kind of these gazetteers, these sections of the planet, mm-hmm. um, and and one of the more ambitious stretch goals would be a new section. Mm-hmm. Um, the the whole um, backside of the planet, the whole uh, extra hemisphere mm-hmm. has not been addressed in any of the previous material. Mm-hmm. And so one of the stretch goals is to address that, to give it its own section in the gazetteer. Oh, cool. Just to um, provide um, more sort of springboard for other kinds of fill games. on some of the blanks. Uh, yep. No yeah, longer. But not, yeah. But never, not all of them because that's one been one of the nice things. People have used that as mm-hmm. a place to fill in their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to, hog that space, but we thought it would be nice to, to sure. provide some structure there. Yeah. But something a little more than here be dragons, you know, <laughs> right. right. Um, um, one, one of the stretch goals is, uh, and I, it's only in a sort of nebulous form right now, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm imagining it as a curated website mm. for, um, scientific references specific to the blue planet setting. So oh. everything from like, how how tides work mm-hmm. to um, concerns uh, state of the art understanding of climate change mm-hmm. to state of the art under well I would link this um, table of future tech to that 
to that website. Yeah. There you so go. the idea that there'd be this ongoing curation of a website would be a resource for the kinds of people that like playing Blue Planet. Sure. Uh, and it would be directly relevant. So yeah, um, that's that's very cool. Um, so and yeah. The, one last thing: the big okay. item that that um, I think most people would be most excited mm-hmm. to get is this um, one that I'm currently calling Wormhole, which mm-hmm. is the sort of here's here's what's here is the background to why Poseidon is like it is. Mm-hmm. And here is what, what may happen as the setting, uh, if the setting is further developed. Okay. So really, really more like a usable set of like Bible notes for running games in that future version, but also the kind of thing that you would give to develop if they're writing for that project. Oh. Uh, so, that, so that game masters can have that and seed mm-hmm. it into their games if they want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it gives, it gives them all the details without all mm-hmm. fluff and the art and all that stuff. That so that and really we're only looking at like a ten thousand word document, so not very big at all. Okay. Um, but but I think in terms of density of usefulness, pretty pretty heavy. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, yeah a show a, a quote unquote show bible um, would be very useful yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, answer all the well, questions. More, probably more, probably better to call it a sequel Bible. Sequel right? like Bible. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spinoffs. Yeah, there we go. Because it's really not changing the the current game, and that's mm-hmm. really our goal. Because we don't want to. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I never like the hey, look at this idea that we have, and it's cool, and it, and you know, I get attracted to it, and I really like it, and then someone jerks the tablecloth out from under it and totally goes in a different direction mm-hmm. um, without realizing the what the original setting was providing it always kind of turns me off. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely like the people. Cool. Um, well, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing, well, obviously by the time you listen to this, the Kickstarter is up and live. Um, we're we're uh, here at RP. We're very excited about it. Um, you mentioned that you've been doing a lot of playtesting of it. Uh, have there been any good stories about uh, uh, the playtests, any anecdotes? Uh, um, well, the, the, the playtesting itself, um, you actually played mm-hmm. the, the core of the playtesting was in that the the game that Storm Surge mm-hmm. Chapter One that mm-hmm. you played through. Um, I don't know what what did we do like maybe ten sessions of that something. That, like that. sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and I'm still very excited about that. In fact, my local group is gearing up for Chapter Two. Oh, nice. And because uh, I don't know if you even knew it at the time, but I was running it for a bunch of people online, mm-hmm. and you were one of them, and then for a local group as well. I think you mentioned so, that you're doing that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, so we're gearing up for that. Mm-hmm. But the playtesting itself, in terms of it having major impacts on on the game, is kind of that that ship has sailed. Sure. Um, for, for good or ill, um, because we're as far along as we are, mm-hmm. um, and what people see in the primer more or less is what they'll see in the mechanic. You know, there's been some refinements mm-hmm. certainly, but it's what they'll see in the, in the final book I think, Cool. at this point, but we have been playing. And, uh, as I mentioned to you, probably the, the, the most recent fun we've been having with it uh, as I, I'm a school teacher by mm-hmm. occupation. Um, and I help out with a little games club at our school. Mm-hmm. And over the last year or to there have been periodic one shots that I've introduced them to role playing games because mm-hmm. most of them have never played. So we played some Upwind and then we mm-hmm. started playing some Blue Planet. And we did a, a couple months ago, we did a, a 
sort of the last one shot I had in in, a, in my files, and mm-hmm. and the kids were like, "Hey, we want to we want to play a campaign. We've been hearing about this whole campaign play, and we want characters instead of using pre generated ones." So I said, "Okay, sure." Mm-hmm. And um, it's not so much that any singular event makes a good story. What I've really liked about the experience is seeing gaming and seeing Blue Planet and mm-hmm. getting my enthusiasm from the kids as, as gamers coming to the hobby for the first time and and experiencing role-playing games without any kind of preconceptions. Um, and and it's, that's been really fun. Yeah. They've really enjoyed themselves. And I don't, I don't know if the audience out there, if most of them have a sense of how hard it is to hold, capture and hold the attention of teenagers for an extended <laughs> period of time yeah. without an, a, an electronic device. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been pretty gratifying that they've mm-hmm. actually given up their Friday nights to participate in this for, I think we're going on six or eight sessions now. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, it's been, it's been, it's been super fun. Cool. They, they created, I, I wanted to make it a little bit sandboxy and I wanted to make it episodic because some of them can come sometimes and some of them can't. And it's a pretty big group. There's like eight kids mm-hmm. and, uh, I wanted it to be episodic. So I said, okay, you guys need to tell me what your care, why you're, your characters are all together for a reason. What do you want that reason to be? And I kind of workshopped with them mm-hmm. why that was important in the structure of a role-playing game, kind of, you know, yeah. within the curtain and helping them understand Ensemble it. play, yeah, yeah. Right, right. To make this work, we need to have these things in place. So let's make a, a setting, a setting MacGuffin together that's keeping you guys in play. Mm-hmm. And they came up with something called uh, Deep Sea Security. Mm-hmm. And, and they liked the one-shots that we played that had a lot of, like, either criminal or criminal adjacent behavior. <laughs> um, so, so they are security Shocked. specialists. They don't really see, they don't really care if they're working for the good guys or the bad guys. Okay. Uh, and so we've had um, uh, some scenarios where they've been doing things that are morally less, less gray. And then some things that are working mm-hmm. on black, um, but they've been having a really good time with it. And it's been energizing for me. Um, and, and it's, it's been particularly fun. Cool. Uh, they got the last session we played, um, actually it was Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, the scenario that they were doing was sort of a piece of what I've been thinking about for the storm surge book. In fact, it was sort of a reimagining of the same village that you guys raided. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was them coming into the aftermath of that. If you remember. Oh, right. Yeah. But they came in from a different, it, you know, it was, a different timeline. So they're mm-hmm. coming into the aftermath of it unrelated to the, the mm-hmm. story that you played through. Oops. But um, when I told them that it was something I was considering for the publication, it was amazing to see like how their focus got sharper and they got excited and, and really wanted to contribute to what that would end up looking like. Mm-hmm. It was just fun. It was just invigorating and, and made, made me um, more excited to be working on the project. Nice. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, well, that's the best kind of game, you know? Um, <laughs> right, right. uh, so, uh, I think that's a good sign. Uh, I look forward to, uh, uh, reading my own copy of, uh, Blue Planet Recontact and, uh, back it now on Kickstarter, uh, if, if this interests you. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jeff, any, any last words before we go? I just want to thank you uh-huh. and listeners for, listen to, to stuff about blue planet again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, and how can people reach you on Twitter? Uh, they can give me a biohazard Jeff at biohazard. At biohazard um, Jeff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they can also um, go to uh, www 
w.biohazardgames.us. Mm-hmm. And through that, they can connect via email cool. or Twitter or get on our newsletter if they want. Cool. Uh, yeah, well, uh, check it out. And if you have more questions about Blue Planet or, or working, uh, creating a project for Kickstarter, you can ask Jeff there. Um, and uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.